Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Hi, everyone. I'm Grisha Compulsive Overeater. Glad to see you all and be in a meeting. Um, I'm grateful for my abstinence and for this program. Um, I usually try to frame my shares with the steps. So um, starting with step one, I'm powerless over food and my life was unmanageable. Uh, I'm a century person, so my top weight was over 300 pounds. Um, I was a compulsive eater beginning, I mean, probably at birth, but uh, I started to gain tons of weight when I was a teenager. And um, there were a lot of things going on in my life at the time. My dad was sick and dying and we moved from a very urban neighborhood to a very rural area. I was very different right away. And then I became the very different, very fat, very uh, queer person. And um, and I just discovered food as my only solution, you know, at the time. Um, later, drugs and alcohol as well to the mix. But um, food was the first solution I found to feeling pain. I could numb it. I could feel good as long as I was swallowing. <laughs> it's like it only felt good as long as I was swallowing. And then I was filled with shame and remorse and, um, and you know, the physical ramifications of compulsive eating. So um, I never really had a problem admitting that I was powerless over food. It was kind of obvious, you know, when you're obese, you, it's, it's obvious. But um, and, you know, I had over time I developed problems like, um, you know, I had bone spurs on my heels. I was. You know, I don't know. I had, I had a lot of physical problems. I was always like really sweaty and tired and um, fatigued from being compulsive eating, from being a compulsive eater. And I was always obsessed with food. So if I if I uh, wasn't eating, all I could think about was wanting to eat something. And then if I was eating, uh, I was thinking I should not be eating this because um, I should starve myself until I'm down to a goal weight. <laughs> it's just like. Um, it was a total obsession. So step one was really pretty easy for me, but I didn't think there was any hope for me because I had tried a lot of commercial diets. I tried um, speed. I tried, you know, smoke, smoking more, drinking more coffee, you know, exercising more, doing whatever I could do to try to get to a normal weight. Um, and sometimes those schemes would work for a period of time, but usually they, well, they always failed. So um, they always failed. <laughs> And so then step two for me uh, happened when I walked into my, I guess it turned out it was my second OA meeting because my first OA meeting I went to, uh, I'm from Washington, D.C., and I took the subway to Virginia and I followed a map because we didn't have Google Maps back then. And I'm terrible at reading a map, but I found this meeting in a church. Turns out it was, uh, in retrospect, I know now that it was a how meeting. Um, I was like 17 or something and it was you know, it was on my list of like diets to try sort of. And um, when I got there, it was, there was no one my age. There was no one that looked like me. I kind of had like an orangey mohawk and um, I felt very, you know, very different. And then they were talking a lot about God and I'm not someone that found comfort in God. So I got a little spooked by that. And then they were trying to tell me how to eat um, with a food plan. And I thought, well, I can't follow that. Sorry. And I just left and that was it. Um, But you know, fast forward many years later, after being in another 12-step program for eight years and working the steps and having a sponsor and still struggling 
with food, um, not really understanding any, in any way how the 12 steps could solve that problem. Um, someone in another 12 step fellowship took me, you know, 12 step me and said, Hey, look, I'm, I'm an, uh, I used to be an OA. I lost a hundred pounds. I relapsed. I gained it all back. I'm going back to OA. Would you like to come with me? And so I went to the, what was then my second OA meeting, which was a lot different. It was the lifeboat meeting in San Francisco. There were about 150 people there. There was a giant literature table. There was a big thing of tea. There were, you know, like a troop of newcomer, uh, specialists that, you know, like kind of surrounded you and, and welcomed you. And, um, and the speaker was great and it was a positive pitch meeting. So, you know, you just, it was just filled with positivity and recovery and wonderfulness. And, um, and I got hooked right away. So, uh, I, you know, I came to believe at that meeting, it was like the speaker, what the speaker said, what the people said, what the experience I felt, it gave me hope that I could, um, and I knew I had a very strong um, background in 12-step recovery. I was very successful in another program, so I thought, well, maybe this will work after all. And uh, and so um, I did, I'm very grateful for that person who 12-stepped me, and he sat by me at that first meeting, and he dragged me to a lot of meetings, and um and I called him a thousand times to ask him a thousand questions about how this works. And he answered my questions very patiently. Um, for me, step three, uh, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of a higher power. Like, uh, I'm, again, I'm not someone that finds comfort in God. It was a little bit of a struggle for me to try to think of a higher power. Um, you know, I try, I've tried a million different things. Um, the, the religion of my childhood did not work for me. Um, I've tried a bunch of like woo-woo stuff that I found in California when I got here. Um, I've tried naming it different things and, you know, I've settled into, I've settled into a spiritual routine that works for me. Um, but for me, what really, you know, I had a sponsor who said to me, you might not know what God's will is for you, but you probably know what it isn't. And I was like, okay, I can hang with that. Like no, no good. No good being, no nice person, even on earth or some spiritual being, wants me to sit like I was at one time, you know, lie in bed in a basement apartment in the dark, watching porn, compulsively <laughs> eating, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcoholically, doing drugs, just becoming a big, obese blob. You know, like nobody wants that. So back away from that um, one day at a time, you know, and so um, – for me, God's will, I had to figure out, like, my food plan was really my way of doing God's will, i.e. not doing my will. Because my will is to just completely gorge myself all day long. There's not enough food on the planet. There's not enough food from, you know, it's like I could just keep eating. Uh, ad infinitum, I don't know. So um, for me, my food plan was turning it over. It was like actually eating three meals a day. Ooh, that was weird. And then um, taking sugar out of my food plan, you know, that was weird. Um, and, but I did it one day at a time, and I did it using the 12 steps and the program. And I suppose that OA became, for a period of time, and still is, one of my primary higher powers, because I could do an OA what I couldn't do anywhere else, um, i.e. stay abstinent. So um, I followed that first food plan for um, – almost a full year, three meals a day, nothing in between with no sugar. But um, <clears throat> I was back at that lifeboat meeting talking to a newcomer, talking about some of those people don't eat flour and grains, and some of those people weigh and measure their food. Like, And I said, you're welcome to try that, but I'm not willing. And um, 
I don't know, something clicked that night and the speaker just said something I needed to hear and the positive pitches were what I needed to hear. And then the next day, um, I, w- I met with my sponsor and I wrote in my journal that, you know, I think I'm going to try to adjust my food plan. I'm going to take out these other substances that I cannot handle. Other people can handle them. I cannot. Um, and, you know, I just try and I, and I did a little, you know, uh, loophole. I was like, well, if I, if I can't follow that food plan, at least my old food plan is still in state and I'm still abstinent, but I'll try it, you know, one meal at a time. Um, and so I did it and, you know, I guess I don't have a lot of time to talk about a lot of stories, but I, I love telling those OA war stories, you know, like the first time I faced my new food plan at a restaurant, oh, you know, and suffice to say, I managed to eat one meal without sugar or flour or grains. And it was, a, a you know, a normal size portion, not like, you know, uh, an elephant's fortune. <laughs> and, uh, and I survived one meal. And then after that, it was like, you know, I've heard it said, like, don't say can't say won't because it's more honest. It's no longer true that I can't be abstinent because I stayed abstinent for one meal and it's one meal at a time. So if I can stay abstinent for one meal, I can stay abstinent for the next one and the next one, one day at a time. If I, but there's a chance I won't stay abstinent that I will just go back and take my will back and go back to the path to 300 pounds or more and the path to that misery that I had. It's, you know, fully refundable as they say. (laughs) Um, but I managed to do it. And um, and then, like, my first year of abstinence, I lost, like, 20 pounds or 25 pounds, which for me was painful because I could do that on the Atkins diet uh, and I'm wearing a vinyl sweatsuit over the weekend, you know. Um, so it was a slow, painful, uh, you know, trying to grasp patience uh, in my early abstinence. And then when I changed my food plan, poof, like another 100 pounds just fell off. And I wasn't even trying. I was just staying abstinent, letting go of those substances that, you know, kept extra weight on me. And so then um, I was in a normal sized body and that was a real freak out for me. It was the first time since I was like, you know, eight years old that I was in a normal sized body. And so um, that's when the other steps had to really start kicking in for me, um, doing a fourth step to look at all the patterns in my life and how. Um, morbid obesity um, controlled my life and how um, things like, you know, refraining from romance because of self, because of body shame and, uh, you know, no low self-esteem and low self-acceptance, you know, giving up, missing out on things in life because, you know, just like I couldn't do it as an obese person. And so really, you know, working, looking at how, Looking at how obesity and food addiction made my life unmanageable and my and made my behavior really um, unpleasant. <laughs> uh, I was a very moody person, and uh, one of my uh, when I gave up food, one of my remaining skills, if you will, for dealing with uncomfortable situations became silent scorn. So I was really I was taught that at an early age by my mom. Um, she was a, she was very she was like a black belt at it and um, so if you made me upset or if you said something I didn't just I I didn't agree with I just didn't speak to you ever again shoot that's it you're out um, and then I had this whole trail of wreckage of relationships and and resentments and so anyway doing the fourth step and then talking to a sponsor about all that and you know cleaning up you know cleaning up my brain around all that stuff and like identifying the real problems 
um, you know, eventually it really, you know, I just started to clean up my behavior. I just started to feel differently and act differently and better, you know. Um, and I'd already been working the steps for many years, but once you put down the food, it's like a, a whole new layer. Um, it's really a new layer of recovery for me. And um, <clears throat> so I had a sponsor who did a very specific sixth and seventh step routine um, that I followed, which was I had to take all my character defects from the fourth and fifth step. And for each of them, I had to write, answer the three questions that are in the um, OA book, which is one, how did that character defect save my life at one point? How did it help me? Then question two is like, how is it now outlived its usefulness? How is it now hurting me or killing me? <clears throat> um, making my life unmanageable. And then three was, if it, if it, if I were willing to have it lifted, um, how would I behave? And then I had, so that became like a roadmap for behavior. It was like a how to behave, a how to behave abstinent manual. Um, so that when a character defect popped up, I knew what I could do if I was, if I were willing. Um, so, you know, sometimes I chose the, the, um, loving kindness way and sometimes I chose the, you know, misery and suffering way <laughs> to do it one more time. Um, so that was six and seven. And then, um, and then eight and nine, uh, you know, I, I always share about my, the one, the giant amends for me. Well, two giant amends for me was making amends to myself because I really beat myself up physically. I have stretch marks and saggy skins and saggy titties. And, um, you know, I'm right now I'm suffering with knee problems. I mean, I did, I did a number on my body uh, as a morbidly obese person for the first 30 years of my life. So, um, I have to make amends. My amends to myself is to stay abstinent. Um, and I'm trying to make amends to myself also by doing my physical therapy, which I don't seem willing to do. Damn it. May it be. And, um, and then the other big one was to my mom. I had a really challenging relationship with my mother and, um, and, you know, use the word hate against her many times. Um, and then, you know, I was working my step, I didn't step work in a cafe and I suddenly had this like, Oh, epiphany awakening around my mom that like I was 40 when I was doing the step work and then I thought oh wow when she was 40 she had she had just given birth to me which for, you know it was an accident it was like 10 years after she thought she was done and she already had five other kids and um and there were a lot of issues in our family a lot of addiction um my dad was an alcoholic um financial troubles you know like I had a sister that got um in trouble pregnant in high school and um and, you know, siblings that were partying and, you know, working at the Playboy Club and, you know, things that my Catholic, devout Catholic mother did not like. It was really difficult for her. And she had chronic phlebitis in her knees and eventually had two knee replacements. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, suffice to say, like, no wonder she was cranky. Like, I can be cranky. And um, I just, like, got a lot of forgiveness um, for her and understanding as an as an older adult and began to make amends. And uh, I just began to invite her into my life and write her a letter every day. I got a little sassy Maxine cartoon character calendar where you tear off the daily tear off page. And I would tear it off and write a little note to her and send it to her with little stickers on the envelope and try to be really sweet. And so we our relationship really healed. And um, and then it was really I'm really grateful that I was more, you know, connected with her. Toward the end Five of her minutes. Agenda. OK, thank you. And um, so that was a really important amends for me. Um, really grateful. She passed away several years ago now, but 
um, we really had a chance to heal. Uh, and then step 10, um, my sponsor, my first OA sponsor, actually my second OA sponsor, um, had me do this traditional way of like, you hand write out the third step prayer. No, you cannot cut and paste it in Microsoft Word. You have to hand write it so that your brain and your mind slows down to the speed of the pen moving across the page. And I wrote out the third step prayer and then all my fears and resentments. And then the third step, I mean, the seventh step prayer at the end. And then I had to call her every morning and read her everything I'd wrote, I'd written, including the, the two prayers, which felt tedious. But <clears throat> there's something also very tedious about hearing yourself complain about the same crap every day and not take action. <clears throat> and so the challenge became like, I'm tired of saying that. What am I going to do about it? You know, and I started taking action in many different ways, leading to many different life changes, career change, relationship changes, family relationship changes. Um, you know, moves and real estate and not real estate, all kinds of things happened, started to happen in that, you know, kicked off by that process. And then just having that, that regular, um, the habit of regular inventory is just, you know, it keeps it clean. It, it, it removes terminal vagueness. That's from another program. I visited it for a period of time. Terminal vagueness. You don't really know why you're 300 pounds, but um, you just are. You don't really know why you're $50,000 in debt. Just are. It's like, I don't really know why I'm so pissed off at everybody I know and not speaking to seven people and won't talk to that family member. Hmm. Very vague. So it was all about like getting real clarity about what was really going on. And then taking action, like working the steps around whatever issue I faced. And I feel like, you know, I had a sponsor who said, the answers to all your problems are in the big book. Like just work the steps around any issue that you're struggling with and you will find um, relief. And I, that's been my experience for sure. Um, step 11, because I had this sort of um, cloudy thing about higher power, eventually I settled into something. I just started um, – Someone at a meeting said, if you're not working the 11th step, if you're not praying and meditating every day, you're not working all the steps. And I wanted to be a good student. So um, I also heard that just reading the daily reader could be a prayer. If you allow, if you just count that as a prayer and then you just set a timer and meditate that simple. So I started doing that. And that's morphed into like many years of um, daily meditation practice and um, a Buddhist practice for me and um, daily readings. And so. I now have an 11th step, a very strong 11th step practice. Um, and I feel like it's saved me through this crazy insanity of COVID and life changes. And, um, and you know, I've, it's been a, for all of us, it's been a crazy year or two. And, um, I'm a teacher. And so I've really had to like reinvent my teaching to be, teach on Zoom. And then now we're back in the classroom. I've got half kids on Zoom and half kids in the classroom. And it's just like, all my 11 step practice is about being present, being present in the moment. But I can't be. I've got to be over here and I've got to be over here and I've got to be talking and doing PowerPoint presentations and working the projector and going around the room. And then anyway, so it's like it's a it's a shit show. <laughs> um, but uh, I just do it one day at a time. And I know that this, too, shall pass like everything else. And then 12 step is just to share my experience and hope that it helps someone. Um, you know, I have sponsees. I have a sponsor. This program is a miracle. I mean, it's really a miracle. Like, I don't. Yeah, I say that because, like, 
I had no hope. You know, I tried all these diets and all these things and I had no hope. I felt like there was just no hope for me. Last house on the block, you know, and then um, and then it worked, which is really strange. I mean, there's there are restaurants and fast food joints all around me and liquor stores. And, you know, it's like I could walk out right now and do whatever I want. And I don't want to. And that's a weird miracle. So. Um, so, you know, we get together like this to help each other. We have a common problem and we have discovered a common solution. And um, thank God for it. You know, thank Buddha, thank whoever, whatever. Um, it's just like it's it's really cool. So thank you for being here with me this morning. And I'm looking forward to um, hearing what other people are asking and wondering, experiencing. And I'll stop there. This is a time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon. And Nancy has a question. My name is Nancy Beecham. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been in OA, abstaining for 44 years and maintaining 150 pound weight loss. My question is this. Sweetie, you gave the most incredible share. That positive pitch will stay in my heart forever. Would you talk about today? Would you bring us up today? How long you've been abstinent about the joy in your heart and things you're able to do now that you absolutely couldn't do because this disease had you so surrounded. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Well, lots of things. Well, uh, one, I'm actually struggling right now because two Fridays ago I blew out my knee. So um, I've ended up on crutches. And, you know, I'm grateful that I'm no longer obese on crutches because crutches are a workout <laughs> if you've never tried <laughs> them. Um, but, you know, I'm comfortably abstinent. That is really the biggest gift right now is I'm comfortably abstinent. I don't struggle like it says in the promises. Like oh, there were so many years of struggle and so many different ways in my life, but I don't struggle. I eat the same kind of foods every day. I have, you know, there's my food and there's other people's food. And I, I eat, I pack, you know, I get up in the morning, I make my breakfast. Before I eat my breakfast, I make my lunch because I have to take it to school with me. Um, I eat my lunch at school, you know, um, and I come home and have my dinner and I get three meals a day. And, and, um, and so just being comfortably abstinent is really the best gift. And then, um, you know, when, before my knee blew out, I was in a habit of doing a three mile walk every night down to the water and back. And, um, I bought a bicycle, which I love and I can, you know, I could ride across the Golden Gate Bridge up the Marin headlands. You know, I can, I can just pedal along happily and, just be joyful like that. Um, and just, you know, I've really, you know, this blown out knee has really made me in, in retrospect, grateful for all the times that I was able to just be mobile and move. And, and it's like, don't take for granted. And this is why I'm really mad at myself for not doing my physical therapy activities. And I got really angry at Kaiser. I was like, I've been asking for an MRI for two years. I've been asking for cortisone shot in my knee for five months. And the truth is, I haven't been doing my physical therapy activities for two, 10 years. <laughs> so it's like fourth step around that, you know. Um, so OA gives me a chance to be honest. And um, and then the other one that is not often mentioned, but I get to have sex. 
Like when I was in, when I was in an obese body, I didn't have sex or relationships. I was always hiding out. You know, I always wore like really baggy clothes and tugging on my shirt to hide my man boobs and, you know, avoiding intimacy, physical intimacy, intimacy, especially at all costs. And, and now, you know, I've, I had a seven year relationship with someone who was amazing, uh, which ended sadly, but, um, you know, I get to be a full human being doing full human being things. So that's, that's, and oh, and I've been abstinent for 24, 23 years, coming up on 24 years, 23 years abstinent, uh, again, maintaining a weight loss of about 120 pounds overall. And, um, you know, now my, now my clothes don't wear out in the thighs. They wear out like they just become threadbare. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Ellie has a question. Thank you so much, Grisha. I really appreciate your uh, pitch and relating it to the steps. Um, what do you do on a daily basis to maintain your spiritual condition, your abstinence, etc.? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mentioned my 11th step um, practice. So every morning I wake up very early and um, I make my breakfast and I make my lunch and I eat my breakfast and then I um, I sit down and I do a readings from different spiritual like from you know daily readers and um, I'm not studying Buddhism so I read these Buddhist teacher things and then I also as a service I send out um, I choose like a few blurbs that I think are just the best so far and I of the day and I send them out to some other friends and then I meditate for anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes, depending on how much time I have before I have to get ready. And, um, yeah, and I make, you know, I talk to I, a lot of my friends are program people. So I do a lot of phone calls with friends on the way to work, on the way, you know, when we home from work, um, working with newcomers and, um, you know, and I'm still open to, uh, having like some sort of higher power experience. Um, I would love to have that. I just don't. I'm not someone, I don't feel anything. I'm just not, I don't, I'm not like an agnostic or a atheist per se. I'm just someone who doesn't feel, I don't get any comfort from this, from the God thing. So I'd love to get comfort from it. I'd love to be like all of a sudden like, you know, spiritual juice. <laughs> and I, I hear it from other people. So um, I hope it catches. I don't know. Thanks for asking. Uh, John T. has his hand up from Oakland. Sorry. Hi, my name is John Kosselbeter, sugar addict. And, uh, how you doing? Uh, good to, good to hear you share. Thank you so much. I do love the positivity. And, um, my, and I remember that lifeboat meeting. I'm a, I'm a retread. I, I've come back, uh, uh, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, so I'm grateful I'm back. I hope I never leave again. Um, but I remember that lifeboat meeting was very positive meeting, but that's not what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you a question. And my question is you talked about the defects of character. I was wondering if you can expand on that, that idea of, um, how that defect of character helped you and then, um, how it was hurting you. And then also what I really wanted to hear about was how Leaving that, how to do it better? Does that make sense? The question I'm asking, Michael. How to how to do what? Do you, how to behave better? You mean like? 
Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we can all relate to gossip, right? I mean, at least I can. I don't know. But uh, that was one where, like, so gossip. Um, when I'm gossiping with someone, it makes me feel really connected to that person. It makes me feel like we have a bond. Like, and it gives me a lot of this, like, really good energy of, or not good energy, but like, you know, wild energy of like, I'm pa- like some kind of powerful feeling. I'm, you know, I feel better than that person. And I'm connecting with this person who I'm gossiping with. So I know what I get out of that. Um, and I also learned it in my family. We gossiped about each other. You know, we talked about, you know, when that sister wasn't here, we talked about her. When I wasn't there, they talked about me. So, um, Anyway, and then I, but then, you know, as you know, you get an emotional hangover from it. And if you see that person you've been gossiping about, you've got this like negative juju, you know, so like it's not good. And I don't want to feel that way. I don't want an emotional hangover. So then in my, um, in the third question where it's like, well, what would you have to do instead? Well, you know, I'd obviously I just have to refrain from gossip and maybe even try to stop the gossip or re- redirect the conversation to something more positive, you know, and, so then when it comes, so then when somebody says, oh, my God, blah, 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 I have a choice, you know, and truthfully, a lot of times I just gossip because I, I I like, I, you know, I'm getting more out of it than the pain or something. I don't know. But every once in a while, I'll just be like, mm, that sounds like gossip. I'm going to excuse myself from the conversation or, you know, follow that little roadmap that I had. And um, another area that's, you know. It's actually kind of a life and death one for me, which was, um, is shame. You know, shame, when I was obese, I grew, you know, I grew up, uh, I came out, I was, I came out gay, like when I was in high school and I, I had a fake ID and I used to go to gay bars in DC, um, to these warehouse bars, get just obliterated, drunk and high. And I was, you know, a wreck, right? And, and that was the peak of the AIDS epidemic. And, um, and I wouldn't, I never had sex because I was too ashamed. I was, I was obese. I was sweaty. I was embarrassed in my body. Um, so I was just always that like gregarious, loud, obnoxious, silly, drunk, making fools of themselves, but never having sex. And so it kind of saved me, right? From, from dying of AIDS, really, because people all around me were dying, dying of AIDS, many of my friends. And, um, and then I got abstinent and I got into a normal sized body and I started having um, physical intimacy and shame was still there and it kept me from having open and honest discussions. Like I would, the last thing I would ever ask you would be your HIV status or, you know, or talk about what kind of sex you're okay with or I'm okay with. Like, it was just like, don't talk about it too shameful. Just do it, you know, like whatever. So it put me in like a lot of high risk situations. And, um, and so then it was like, you know, threatening to kill me. So then the the way to behave is you got to like suck it up and have a difficult conversation um you know face the fear of rejection face the fear of um you know the fish being lost off the hook <laughs> uh and just be honest you know and and vulnerable like ugh i do not like being vulnerable you know so i think does that answer the question just like every defect has a, a up and a down and a Exit strategy. <laughs> Kevin? 
Yes, thank you so much. What a beautiful share. I just have a question. Would you feel comfortable putting your number up so that oh, I sure. anyone? That's it. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, how do I? I can't. I don't think. I think uh, chat is closed. Or I'll put it on my. I'll put it in my name here. Uh, and Robin. Thank you. What a beautiful share. Thank you. I was cranky to beat the band when I woke up. Just teeth grinding. I have been abstinent 16 years. I've had a 140-pound weight loss. And, uh, oh, thank you. I love that. When it's been reduced to, I had painful arthritis for a year then it's come back after a year and a half last night I was crying and holding myself and praying to God and just feeling awful and the doctor has said come on in in a month and a half we'll give you your epidural and that's how it is that's just the way it is I know acceptance was the answer and I want to scream when I hear that because I'm here, I'm hurting now. Anyway, my question is, God's all powerful. God loves us. We are his children. What I don't understand, and there may not be an answer that, you know, I can understand. Why does he allow this? Why does he allow pain? You know, it's like, oh, God's God. It makes me sick hearing that, frankly. Why does he allow pain? I, you know, crying and my back feels like it was hit by a hammer. I don't mean that as self-pity. It's just hard to freaking take. But forget it. Thank you for your share. That was a welcome relief. I um, will absolutely put my number in the chat. I'm so grateful, Toei. Four minutes. I love your share. If it hasn't come across, I, I don't think I heard you before. That's it. That's it. Thank you, Robin. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that right now with, you know, my, I have, I have cranky knees and it could be from obesity. It could be from marathon. At some point in my OA recovery, I became a marathon runner, which was another whole weird miracle in itself. But yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with pain, with aging, with, you know, skin sagging, with, you know, all the stuff that comes with aging. Um, and so, you know, as what was that movie version? The alternative is ghastly. I guess, you know, it's like it's either that or death, right? And the one thing that the knee, this knee blowout, I feel like it has inspired me to finally do the physical therapy activities that I've been prescribed for 10 years, you know, and I did them once. Can I get a round of applause, please? <laughs> so, yeah, maybe it's like a wake up call. Maybe I can feel more grateful. Um, I don't know. I, that's a good question. I don't know this, that pain. I'm not, you know, this unwelcome pain. I guess we just, it, I, you know, someone said at a meeting, let's be grateful for the non-problems of the day. And so, yeah, like, wow, I flushed the toilet and it didn't clog. I went down to the garage and the car started. The sun is out. Like the dishwasher works. The water, you know, water came out. I just like there, there are so many opportunities for things to go crazy wrong. <laughs> No one died today, you know, it's like so far, you know, like so the non-problems, yeah. 
Tony. Hey, thanks, Grisha. I'm Tony, and I am a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I've been in program for 28 years with back-to-back abstinence for four. Um, the question that I wanted to ask was this. Um, you talked about making amends to yourself. That's something I've heard as long as I've been in program. <laughs> and I have never understood it. Um, so what my question is, other than the living amends, is there, has there been like an active process that you've gone through to do that? Like, and what I'll, I'll give you an example. I too dealt with some shame and I started a shame journal and that really, really helped me to get through that shame. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could talk about that, I'd really appreciate hearing it. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Well, I think, um, yeah, the the main thing is I have to take action. I, I learned that in the 10th step. There's got to be an action, a contrary action. So, yeah, like um, staying absent is number one for me. Um, and uh, my sponsor has me doing affirmations. And I at first I was really re- hesitant and reluctant to do them. But he explained, like, they have to be real. Like, they're not, not these, like, canned ones that you download off the Internet, That's, that, which may work for some. But for me, it was too hokey. But it was like a real one. Like, so for body shame, it's like, well, some people like really hairy guys and I'm really hairy, you know, or, um, you know, like, uh, teacher, the teachers at my school got together and gave me this beautiful card about, uh, you know, get well soon with my knee. It's like, I am loved because all these teachers did this act of loving kindness toward me. So I, I have like a whole, um, a whole list of affirmations that are contrary to my beliefs and, and they're fact based. They're evidence based. They're like scientific. They're not made up woo woo stuff. It's like, no, um, I'm not a terrible teacher because this, these, I have a whole list of parents who emailed and told me or said in person that they are so grateful for me teaching their child. So I have like a contrary affirmation list for everything that all the negative thinking that comes into my brain. Um, so I read those. Time. Um, no, okay. Oh, is, it, is our time for the meeting? Yes. Okay. Thanks for the question. Thanks, everyone. Wow, this was fun to kind of like get to be the the center of attention. I like that. Um, I hope that something I said was helpful, and I appreciate all the questions.